This is LifeSpeak, a podcast about well-being, mental health, and building resilience through knowledge. Here's Marianne Weisenthal. So today I'm talking with Lizette Sutherland, who is an American living in Holland and is uh, the co-author of a book called Work Together Everywhere, a handbook on working remotely successfully for individuals, teams, and managers. Welcome, Lizette. Thank you so much for oh, joining thank us. thank you. I'm honored to be here. Now, you are very enthusiastic about remote working. So can you tell me why? For you personally, has this been something that you're so passionate about? For me personally, it's the freedom that it offers. So I'm, I'm highly sensitive in that uh, I get really overstimulated when I'm around a lot of people for a long period of time. Uh, I love people and I'm, I'm kind of extroverted also, but so it's a weird combination. But being in an office all day used to just exhaust me. I would come home and just be like, that was... That was tough. So for me, the freedom to work in the place where I'm most productive, which is a really quiet place with good speakers, because I, I like my music and, and all that. And also just the freedom to, my energy levels fluctuate randomly. And so I like to be able to take a break when I need it. And you can do that too in an office, but if you want to like go for a run at the office at around 11 a.m. or 3 p.m. or something like that, you can do it, but you're kind of the weirdo in the office. Or if you know you want to take 10 minutes to stretch your back and like roll around and do some stretching, like you could do it in your cubicle, but yeah, it's just a little more uncomfortable. So I just like the freedom that it offers. I like to set up my space the way I like it. I like to manage my energy levels the way that that works for me. And I just found that in an office environment, I just couldn't do that very well. So I find having worked in both, I find that when I work in an office, I like working in an office, but I don't really like doing it every day because I feel like I just have to be on all the time, especially when now that offices are, or pre-pandemic offices were all open plan, you feel like you can't, you can't scratch your nose. You can, there's all these things, you know, that you suddenly, yeah. when you've been working remotely and then you start working in an office that you start to become aware of, you know, like people chewing, you know, people eating nuts you know, yeah, chips and, and, and stinky food. And <laughs> I, I kind of felt like when I went back to an office just before the pandemic started that I was like, I don't think I'm fit to, for public consumption. I felt like I was sort <laughs> of probably in some ways I was sad that the, that I wasn't going into this office because we have a, a quite a beautiful space. Um, but on, on, on the other hand, I was sort of relieved because I felt like I, I almost wasn't up to speed with being around people. <laughs> it takes getting used to. Yeah. And I, you know, a lot of people are saying like, ah, oh, the future of work is remote. And I always think, mm, I think the future of work is choice. People should be able to decide when and where uh, they work the best. And I mean, we're all professional adults. So if that means going into the office, because that's going to be the best thing for the job that you need to do, I think most people would just make the trip to the office. But I think, you know, a lot of managers in the beginning were reluctant to let people work remotely because they thought everybody would be lazy or not work at all. And, uh, or not work at all, that you wouldn't get away with that, but or just that people would be lazy. But we found that the opposite is true. Of course, people tend to overwork. But more importantly, I think people aren't going to go off and become digital nomads for the most part. Most people just want a little wiggle room in their schedule. You want to be able to come in at 11 today instead of 8. You know, you want to, you know, skip the commute entirely, skip the day entirely, just maybe your kids are at home and you want to be with them. So I think giving people the freedom to, 
design where they they need to work to get the job done that they need to get done. That is that's going to be really powerful for more companies. How do you think that working remotely has had an impact on your mental health? So this one's a tough one because on the one hand, I get to design my space the way I like it and everything's everywhere it is. On the other hand, I, like many others, have a hard time turning off. And those boundaries between work and life are really blurred. And so for my own mental health, I've really had to, because I'm a workhorse, like I will just keep going and going. And especially if you, if you like what you do, it can be pretty dangerous actually, because burnout hits quickly and you don't quite, you kind of know it's coming, but it's almost too, like by the time it arrives, it's almost too late. And so what I've had to do is I've designed a schedule. I I tried a bunch of different techniques for like what works, but now what I do is I block my week every Monday. I just block out the hours that I'm going to work. Like these are my work hours. And if I can't work during those hours, I just lose the time. I don't have to, I don't get to make it up later during a non-work time. And what that's done is it's given me a hard start and stop time so that I don't feel guilty about stopping and like just taking the evening off. It sort of helped my brain to shut down a bit. And so I think for my mental health, I've had to put that structure in place for myself. um, And it's really hard to keep that structure. So I I find a lot of people are struggling with the same thing right now. It's just that that work-life fusion, if you've never done it before, it's really hard to get the right mix. And uh, what we're seeing in the data right now is the, the burnout is is a huge issue during COVID. One, because there's external stresses that we can't control. And I think people are underestimating sort of the long-term effects of the stress of just having a deadly virus, you know, that you can't see outside your home. And, uh, and then the ability to just really turn off. Because if your boss sends you an email at 9 p.m., you know, you're going to want to answer it. And so you, there have to be some clear lines in place. And of course, everybody has a different need for that. But I, it's surprisingly hard to, find, to figure out what you need. I mean, this book couldn't have come out at a better time. <laughs> um, but obviously, <laughs> we're working, you know, working on it for, for quite a long time. What do you see has changed in terms of our attitudes about remote working before the pandemic and now that we're in the pandemic and so many people are just being forced to do this and employers are also being forced to allow their employees to do this when perhaps they were like adamantly, it's a hard no, we're not letting you do this. Well, yeah, and that, that is the change is that there was a whole bunch of naysayers before that have now actually been forced to see that it actually can work when done well. I mean, you know, there's a, there's a lot of uh, companies that are not doing it well either and they're Sadly, it's, it's like, no, no, let me just show you like the top four things you need to put in place and then it'll be a lot smoother, I promise. But and when they come back after the pandemic, they'll probably require people to come back to the office. But I was just talking about this with somebody earlier and I think businesses that are going to try to force people back 100% to the office after the pandemic are going to lose a lot of really good people because mm-hmm. there's a lot of jobs opening up now because of it that are allowing for you know fully remote work. You know, and they're not, they're, they're not the jobs of 10, 20 years ago where it's very little pay and, you know, write a blog article or manage my social media account for zero dollars. You know, now it's like, you know, it's real jobs with real money. And I think businesses have to be really careful because they're going to lose their top talent if they don't uh, put systems in place that can, that can allow for this, that allow for the choice. 
Do you think the office is dead? I mean, this is like a headline that you see, <laughs> you know, is the office dead? You know, uh, commercial real estate, you know, at an all time low. Like, do you think that this is, this is really kind of where we're going now that this could be actually the majority of how people work? No, totally not. Mm-hmm. I think uh, most people uh, like having a place to go to. Most people like to have a hybrid way of working where they work some days in the office and some days at home. By far, most people like to have a bit of a hybrid. Uh, so no, I don't think the office is dead. I think that the office space will be significantly reduced and also reorganized to do for a different purpose. So no longer is it going to be individual cubicles necessarily, but they're going to be more collaborative spaces or more multi-use kind of spaces so that, you know, the reasons why you would come into the office is because you need to meet in person about something or you need to collaborate in person about something. So you need to have those spaces set up for that kind of work. But I mean, you know, my husband, he hates working from home, like with all capital letters, just hates it. And so when the offices opened up here in the Netherlands again, he was the first one back, you know, just like, oh, bring me back to the office. It gives him a real separation between work and home, which he really needs. And I think there's a lot of other people out there. So no, the office isn't dead, but the office is going to be repurposed. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that wanting to work part-time in the office and part-time at home. Um, that that dis- space between, you know, that, that walk, as you can see behind me, that walk up the stairs is just not enough of a buffer for me between my personal life and my professional life. Like totally. I really, really struggle with that. And I think people have probably found ways to adjust if they can go out and take a walk. You know, sometimes people, the really little kids can't do that, but you kind of need that, that buffer, right? Which yeah. I'm sure you, you need as well and have found a way to build that into your day is some kind of a buffer between the, the work day being over and now my personal time. Or maybe you don't need it. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. I, to- I totally need it. Uh, I have a shutdown ritual that I, that I put in place for myself. So it's oh, like, okay, that? well, I like close, I, I do all my, my time documents. I look over the email, like, is there anything that I can answer in like three seconds or less, you know, like the, just the quick thing. And then I shut down the email and then I look at, uh, look at the, I've got my full focus planner that I use. I, it's a, I know it's paper. It's the, the irony is not lost on me, <laughs> but I just really like paper. And uh, I just look at like, okay, what do I need to do for tomorrow? Just so that I can mentally be prepared. And then I just close it. It's funny. My grandmother told me this once I was trying to decide what to take with me to the Netherlands. And she goes, just take it. If you're not sure, take it and just close your eyes and throw it in the trash can and never look back. And so I kind of do the same thing when I leave the office. I just like close the books and I don't look back. It'll be there for me in the morning. And so that's my shutdown ritual. And then I go downstairs and I usually just go for a walk in the neighborhood, just like 10, 20 minutes. And I just get some air or I'll sit in the garden. But what I do is I go outside because I'm behind the monitor so long that I really need to focus my eyes on something in the distance and just have some fresh air uh, at all times. So that really helps. So that's basically my shutdown ritual. And I have to say, like I have a startup ritual as well. And I got that from the full focus planner. They encourage you to, to write out your rituals. And it's because the startup ritual just helps your body get into the mood just like the commute helps you go in, you know, you have a ritual going into the office and the shutdown ritual is like, oh yeah, my brain's like, oh, okay, now we're transitioning. And it's just enough of a hack that it works for me. It's a training. You have to train your brain and you have to yeah. adopt new habits, right? Yeah. So you talk about, um, you know, you, you, you give workshops and, and you do interviews and 
you know, you've said that, you know, your role is to help people, you know, and companies discover new ways of being present at work. What do you mean by that? How can you be more present at work? And, and how, how is that a good thing? Uh, so in the past, being present at work meant that we would come into an office and we would see each other at work. And now that everybody's gone remote, presence is sort of by video technology. But there are actually other forms of presence out there that are super interesting. Um, one of the more popular ones, though, I, more popular is sort of in its own genre, it's more popular. It hasn't really caught on yet, and I don't understand why it's not global, but uh, virtual offices are a great way of recreating presence. So I can send you a link that if you want to put it in the show notes to show people, but a virtual office is basically an office that you go to online and you actually can see individual offices and that you can only see and hear the people that are in the same virtual room as you, but you can see where everybody else is on your virtual floor plan. So if I wanted to go and join the people in the conference room, I could double click on the conference room and be in that room with them and see and hear and share screens and do all of that. So that's a form of presence that most people don't know about that is extremely powerful when you're working remotely with a company. There's also things like telepresence robots where you beam in and you can drive yourself around using the arrow keys of your keyboards. Most people have seen it on the Big Bang Theory on the television show. The suitable technologies office in the Bay Area who makes these robots, 50% of their workforce beams in every day and 50% is there in the flesh. I mean, they're probably all 100% beaming in right now. I'd have to go and ask, but so they actually beam in via robot and actually work together half robot, half in the flesh. And then there's, there's, virtu there's virtual reality, which has been around for over 20 years, but because of the cost and how hard it was to use that most people didn't really go there. But the cost is coming way down and I just a couple of weeks ago had my first meeting in virtual reality. And really, I, I don't say this lightly, my, I, my mind was blown. Um, what the mo one of the most amazing experiences I've had in terms of in presence. You, so you walk into the meet, you actually walk into the meeting room and you can sit like in a chair. And so the chairs are set up in virtual reality. So you arrange your chair so that it matches one of the virtual reality chairs. So you're sitting at the table with other people. You can hear spatially who's speaking to the right of you or to the left of you. I can pull up a virtual keyboard, start typing on it, bring up YouTube, put it into the ether, have everybody watch a video together in virtual reality. When I'm done, I just throw it and it disappears. I can take a pen and write something in the air and it becomes a 3D object that the next person next to me can actually grab, add onto and move around the table. So I can then, I can actually show an idea in 3D just by grabbing a virtual pen from behind my ear. I mean, it was incredible. Did it take, did it take a bit of time to get used to it or did you feel, did it feel almost natural right away? It, it, it I was up and right. So I've done, I've been exploring experimenting with virtual reality for a few years now. And in this case, this was a new, uh, a new app called Meet in VR. And I was just curious what it felt like. It took me seven minutes from downloading the app to actually be sitting at the virtual table so that it was like super smooth. All you need is an Oculus Quest, so one of the, the headsets. And after that, all I had to do was learn how to, you know, pull the pen out from behind my ear and how to type on, you know, how to pull up the tools. But once you've done it once, within 10 minutes, you're up and running. So 
I think these technologies sound really odd to people until you've tried them once. Like it's weird until you've tried it. And then once you've tried it, it's like, oh, it's not so hard. It's just intimidating at first. And a lot of companies right now, you know, we're still struggling with the old spider phones in the middle of the conference room table. So the, you know, and Skype for business of all of us, you know, and so these these things like telepresence robots and VR, they're really far away from most companies. But I would say that actually companies really need to be taking a look at some of these more out there technologies because in the next five years, if you, I mean, if you can get that working for the right context in your companies, you will have superpowers above and beyond other people's companies. Because if you're sitting at a table with people like I, I was meeting with a guy in Lithuania, a guy in Vietnam, somebody from Belgium, and I'm in the Netherlands, we're sitting at a virtual table together drawing things and collaborating in the air, I mean, sky's the limit. And of course, once we figure out how to add touch to that, which they're getting at, um, once we add touch to that, it's it's all over. There there will be no need to travel to go to a meeting anymore. So I just think that that kind of stuff just blows me away. So that's what I mean by presence. There's all these things happening that people don't know about behind the scenes, but are extremely powerful. Now, through your podcast, which I think, you you know, you've done hundreds of episodes of your podcast now, Collaborative Superpowers. You interview HR directors and neuroscientists. What has been the most surprising thing that you've learned from the time you started recording the podcast to now? That is a really good question. I actually will need to think about that. The first thing that comes to mind is, one, how creative I mean, how creative people are in terms of what they're doing. And then the other thing that I was going to say is, at the same time, how hesitant we all are to try and use new technologies. Like, you know, the people, the people that I'm interviewing, these are companies that have made it work for them. But in hearing the stories of how they got there, it was, it was a real slog. You know, it was trying to convince people to try things and, oh, should we experiment? And I think, the, so yeah, the, the thing that I've learned even if you're excited about a technology, trying something new and having it and integrating that newness is, is still, that change management is still really difficult for every company. What, what has been one, I know you often ask people in your podcast to d- describe their, their, their remote working space. What has been sort of something like really unusual about someone's remote working space that you have seen? Heard about. Oh man, like a weird space. Oh man, well, like the the virtual reality space, of course. Is actually there. There was a team that I interviewed in virtual reality. That was uh, that was amazing. So, but okay, we just talked about virtual reality. I think you know the thing that surprises me most is that most people, in order to get their work done, they need a laptop and a Wi-Fi connection, and that's basically it. And so there's people that are just sitting at a little table. There's people that have like huge setups with all kinds of monitors and like, you know, one meter wide monitors and stuff like that. But for the most part, everybody just needs a laptop and a Wi-Fi connection and they're off and running. And, you know, the details sort of vary. But I love that people can just design their space and their lives around laptop and a Wi-Fi connection. It's kind of amazing. For me, it's been a, uh, it's been a huge learning curve around trying to find a good desk chair. I didn't, I've just been having such low back pain ever since I've been working from home, back working from home again since March. And I, I finally just went and spent a ton of money on a desk chair. I'm really hoping that's going to make a difference. I'm like, are and is I, everybody just sitting on their dining room table chairs? Like, I, I don't have many, doing it. 
many people are. And what I've encouraged people is, listen, camping is great, but not for too long. And we all thought that, you know, we'd be on lockdown and we'd be back in the office within a couple of months. So people haven't really invested in their space. But I would say now is the time. If you have the luxury of having the money to do it, then now is the time to really invest in good equipment. Like get your nice headset, a sit-stand desk. If you're having back problems, get a, a, a desk that you can raise and lower. It makes all the difference in the world. I've got one. I use it all the time. I'm just like up and down all day long. And, do you uh, have a desk chair that you really like? Like, do you have like a uh, office desk chair? I, uh, what I, so mine, I wouldn't know that it's a, if it's a really good one, I did spend a good deal of money on it. But for me, what was important is that it doesn't have the armrests because I like to sit cross-legged. Oh. Just, I'm more comfortable sitting cross-legged. So if you have so you armrests, you sit cross-legged on your chair, on your right. desk chair. Oh. Right. Yeah. I'm sitting cross-legged. I don't know why. It's just more comfortable for me. Interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I, I did not go with the uh, armrests either. It's being delivered next week. So we'll, I'll report back, but yeah, I didn't take the armrests. I don't use them. I, I, I rest my arms on my desk anyway, even though yeah. it's probably not what you're supposed to do, but that's what I do. Yeah, really, um, people invest in your equipment right now. It's really important because we're going to be in and out of lockdowns for the foreseeable future. <laughs> I can't put a time on it, but my heart sinks just thinking about it. So I want to end off on on this question that that you know we, we like to ask everybody, but it's it's really like what these are difficult times we're living through right now. What are you feeling really happy and optimistic about? And it doesn't even have to do with remote working. I just want to know what you're feeling really happy and optimistic about in terms of our, terms of the future, your future, the world's future. So it's remote related and then also just connection related. But uh, what I really love, so my sister lives in Seattle and I'm in the Netherlands and she has two kids, one who's three years old and one who's one years old. And I didn't want to be that weird aunt that they saw maybe once a year, once, I mean, I'm already going to be, I'm going to be the weird aunt regardless, but I didn't want to be the one that they saw like once a year and like I came by for a week. And so what we've done is we've had weekly video calls and uh, it's amazing, even to me, and I'm used to it, but it's amazing how much relationship that you can build on video. And so I think what excites me is that I'm actually part of the lives of my nephews in a very significant way, all the way from the Netherlands. And I, you know, I look forward to the calls. We have games that we play, like hide and seek. You know, at three years old, it's super, it's super easy to entertain. And uh, I'm just surprised at how much connection can be built. So I think that for me, what's really exciting is just being able to keep that connection with my family that in the past I would never have been able to do. And video calls for this three-year-old, like it's, it's totally normal for him. So, and when I, when I met him for the first time, I went to Seattle in December and I met him for the first time and it took him about three minutes to get used to me being in 3D. And then all I had to do was start playing one of the games that we had played on video and we were off and running. It's like, it's like, okay, now you're in 3D now I get it. And then, you know, and we were just off and running. So it didn't even occur to him that it was weird at first. It just, you, you know, you had to get used to it and then, and then it was fine. So normal for them now, that's all they've ever known. And uh, yeah, absolutely. And you know, my neighbor, my neighbor kid, he's five and he's been playing Fortnite and he's Dutch, of course, but he learned English on his own because he's playing video games with people all over the world and the common language is English. So this five-year-old speaks English 
uh, very fluently because he's been playing Fortnite with other kids all over the world. Wow. I think that that's incredible. And so it's funny because I have a workshop where I'm teaching adults about online collaboration. And this workshop is going to be totally obsolete in, I don't know how many years, but at some point it's going to be totally obsolete because this kid next door is going to grow up and be like, online collaboration. I get it, like, <laughs> I've been doing this since I was five. Right. Right. Like, and learning another language. I, he, he speaks English better than I speak Dutch and I've been at it for 12 years. You know, it's a big, you know, kids' brains are also very special, yes. but still the, the connection that we can make with people all over the world, just via video. And it's not ideal. Like, of course, I'd rather be there in person with my nephews, but this is way better than nothing. Sure. And I, that, that's what makes me optimistic and excited. Thank you so much, Lizette. I really, oh, it's been you. really fun talking to you. Thank you. For more about this episode, go to lifespeak.com slash podcast. A production of the Sound Off Media Company.